Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Schein, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us. Maria, thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I've never been called a cyber celebrity before. <laughs> well, it's going to be a lot of first on this podcast today. Um, so Maria, how, how does a girl that grew up in Bellevue end up becoming one of the most um, well-known folks within pay equality today? Yeah, thanks for the question. I, at times, I'm not quite so sure myself, honestly. I've had a very uh, non-linear path, and I think that's the case for actually a lot of women and BIPOC professionals out there. We don't necessarily follow the most traditional path to get to where we're going. I was a history and poli sci major. I went to a liberal arts college in Spokane, Washington, and followed that path pretty closely, moved to DC, was doing the congressional campaign nonprofit thing. And, and honestly, it was this crack in the door, which has been a real consistent theme in my career, seeing sort of a door cracked open and then just being curious, having that intellectual curiosity to say, I wonder what, wonder where that leads and then kicking it open. I met a woman at a dinner party and this was at the height of the tech boom, unfortunately, just before the bust. So I sort of made the move at the wrong or right time depending on how you look at it, she said, you know, why are you out here in DC doing all this work in nonprofits? She said, the place to be is in tech. You got to move to the Bay Area. Actually, the company that I work for has an opening. It's in marketing. At the time, I was doing events and marketing for the National Museum of American History at the Smithsonian. And so I took a flyer and I went and interviewed. And it was a very technical Israeli startup run by a gentleman that's still one of my mentors to this day, but they were all former military. Its headquarters was out of Tel Aviv. It had a satellite office in Santa Clara. They were doing bandwidth management. And this was a very technical hardware software uh, product. And I just, I loved it. And from there, you know, history was sort of made in terms of the tech portion of my career. And that obviously evolved into SaaS and found co-founding Smartsheet, which ultimately went public. But on the pay equity side of things, I think in those early days as a woman in tech, you were always sort of aware that, that there weren't a lot of other women in the industry. And so that was something that was, was pretty standard. And when you saw another woman specifically in certain functions within tech and in the technical fields of tech, because it's very different, you know, there's sort of the deep tech areas mm -hmm. and cybersecurity is certainly one of those. Um, you sort of are very cognizant that you play a certain role. You're one of the only in the room for, for a lot of years. So after Smartsheet, when I went to Starbucks and started working there in communications, when, you know, this was before Howard handed over the reins to Kevin Johnson, you know, now history is repeating itself. Howard's back in the saddle. But one of the things we were really focused on was releasing a pay equity announcement. And, and today that's very common or not common, but it's happening more and more where companies are drawing a line in the sand and going out publicly with their pay equity results, whether it's cents on the dollar, median pay gap. At that time, it was really rare. And it was something we were really excited about because we thought this was a great moment for Howard at his last annual meeting as he was handing over the reins, a great line in the sand to show that commitment to our partners, both in store and in HQ. And in learning more about it, 
in order to do the real communications work about how to talk about it, I got to know the head of global employment law very well and, and learned the way that a typical traditional pay equity analysis is done. It's very backwards looking. You outsource it to a law firm. It's cumbersome. It's costly. And most importantly, you don't really learn anything about the behaviors or practices that are driving that gap in the first place. So you're learning essentially here are the people who you need to pay and how much to avoid a massive pay, pay equity class action or legal issue. And that seemed like the wrong approach to me. So at that moment, you know, this head of global employment law at Starbucks and I started talking about, is there a way to infuse innovation and software to make this something that is more proactive, to make this something that looks at, for example, starting pay is the biggest factor in any pay equity analysis. So how do you look at starting pay and make sure at that moment in the employee life cycle that you're getting it right so that you're not having this consistent and ongoing backwards looking repeat of the same remediation over and over and over. Sure. So, so when we think about some of the, the macro trends that are going on in your space, when we think about you know the next year, is there anything that you see that, um, is it more of the same or is there some new initiatives out there? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's it's very it's a rapidly accelerating and evolving market and I'll give you probably three examples that are the most relevant. The first is the the perspective of institutional investors from the ESG lens. So there's been a lot of focus over the past 7 years on the environmental and governance portion of ESG, but now all the eyes are turning to the S and they're trying to figure out what does it mean to have social ESG commitments as a company that has workplace equity sort of embedded as how you think about your human capital. So Gensler and the SEC are starting to talk about human capital as an asset class. You've got folks like BlackRock and others starting to create more KPIs around the S, around board diversity, leadership diversity, promotions analysis, disclosure on median pay gap and pay equity. So that is a trend that's continuing to accelerate and is really being pushed from those institutional investors. Number two, you've got the, the proxy battles that we saw this last season. So shareholder proposals requiring companies to both disclose adjusted and unadjusted pay gaps have been featured in proxy seasons since 2015. But, but this year alone, seven of the Fortune 100 companies faced these pay gap disclosure proxies. And at two of these companies, it succeeded. And that that's like a brand new trend that we haven't seen before. So Walt Disney and Lowe's, and then at Apple, Amazon, and Cigna, the proposals earned 30% of the votes and 18% at Nike. So again, this is just accelerating momentum that we haven't seen before. We've seen them show up since 2015, but they were largely sort of passed over as something that would never, ever succeed. And so that's changing. And then the third is legislation. So pay transparency legislation is accelerating really fast. I would say even more so than the ESG component. You've got pay transparency laws passing in New York City, New Jersey, Colorado, California, Oregon, and now Washington state where we are. And this is requiring companies to post a good faith range for any new job position. And that's a really big deal because now existing employees can see what are new employees with my same skills and experience coming into my role? What are they making? Which brings this huge amount of pressure on employers from their employees themselves. So, so Maria, thank you for sharing that. But when we think about this from a financial standpoint, you know, what should companies be thinking about when they're preparing for the long term with respect to I pay think, quality? 
I think there's a couple of things. So the first is there's two sides of this. One side is pay equity, which is equal pay for equal work. That's largely where our litigation has been centered and there's a lot of legal risk around that. So companies have been aware of this for some time and I think they've been addressing it. The other side of this though, is the median pay gap. The median pay gap is really just a reflection of opportunity. It's the averages. So do you have all of your men, for example, in the highly paid positions at your company, and while you may have really good gender diversity, are all your women sort of in the lower levels? If you had to disclose your median pay gap, that would become very obvious to the outside world. And in California's uh, SB 1162, which is the legislation that just passed the California State Senate, it's not just pay transparency on job ranges. It also includes disclosure of your median pay gap to the state and a public reporting of your W-2 earnings by EEO category. So what companies need to be aware of is this is a full body scan for companies. Many companies are not ready to talk about what their median pay gap is and what their steps are going to be to remediate it, not only to the market, but first and foremost to their people. So I think this is something that companies need to have a really good sense of how are we going to talk about this? We need to understand that this is coming. And how do we think about our representation within our company, where people are situated and how we're actively trying to create equitable opportunities for people to move up. So, so Maria, if the, if the listeners wanted to reach out to Syndio to try and get some advice and perhaps engage in the platform, how can they best um, reach out? Is it on LinkedIn? Is there an email that they can um, uh, touch base on? Yeah, I think just going to our website, it's synd.io. And right there, you can click on a link to get more information or just info at synd.io is another great way to do it. Perfect. And so, so we've talked a lot about um, organizations currently with their current staff, but when we're thinking about, you know, hiring and kind of uh, bringing in new talent, are there some best practices you can share with our listeners in terms of what they should be looking for? Yeah, so with the labor market, the way it's been, and, you know, it'll be really interesting to see if we are entering into a recessionary period, but a recessionary period that's coupled with really low unemployment. I don't know that we have a great playbook for that yet. It's it's a very new thing we're about to encounter because the labor market isn't changing meaningfully, at least not very quickly. So one of the things that's happening is it's been a bit of the wild west over the past 12 to 18 months in terms of hiring and salary. And remember what we talked about earlier, starting pay is the biggest factor in any pay equity analysis. So if you've been hiring outside of the range in which you're paying your current folks with a certain set of skills and experience just to get talent in the door, and a lot of our customers have experienced this, you are likely about to embark upon a cycle where you have massive pay disparities that you cannot rule out are because of something like gender, race, or ethnicity. Because we, what we typically find is in those situations, the functions like engineering, IT, data science, those functions are just systemically at market rates rated higher in terms of compensation. And there's a lot of scarcity around those roles. So, and the third thing is they typically are filled with men. So if you think about we're increasing compensation for particular roles where there's high scarcity and they're disproportionately hiring men, you're embarking into a time where you probably have a lot of issues under the hood. So one of the things our customers do, part of our software actually has a solution called PayFinder, which lets them look at not only market pay, but look at that side by side with the equitable range. And when we talk about that range, 
that's what are your folks in your company today making? And it's the range within which you need to stay to make sure you're not disproportionately getting yourself out of whack over time. But that's going to be a huge issue that pops up over the course of the next six to eight months, just from the past 12 months. I certainly appreciate your insight, Maria. We've spoken about a lot on today's podcast. Is there anything that we should have touched upon that we didn't get a chance to touch upon? Well, I think just from a a risk perspective, I mean, I think one of the things that's really interesting about what you all do is this equity risk management. I think there's an evolving field around this where companies that can prove they measure workplace equity over time, they're facing a reduced risk of litigation. And so how can they prove to the risk management area that they're going to get higher returns on capital, but they could even potentially enjoy lower insurance premiums. And I know there's there's a bunch of folks at your firm who have talked about this in the context of ESG, but I do think, you know, pay equity lawsuits are moving from what used to be a real nuisance claim. They used to be sort of like a slap on the wrist and a $10 million settlement. But if you look at Riot Games was 100 million, the Google lawsuit around systemic underleveling just came down for 118 million. Like there is more risk around this than ever before. Sure. Well, um, you know, I, quick commercial for Marsh, right? So we do have the rating tool for ESG. So if anybody is interested in that, we can certainly run that for you. And then, you know, kind of get a rating score for where you stand for the E, the S, and the G. Um, just a fun fact. So Maria, um, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with our listeners today and uh, coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thanks, Maria. Okay.